My name is Ellen and I am the Programs Coordinator at Arthritis Consumer Experts. Welcome back to the 8th Annual CR Arthritis Event at the Canadian Rheumatology Association and Arthritis Health Professions Association Scientific Meeting. Today, I'm joined by Christina Montoya, registered dietitian in Ontario, Canada, a fierce patient advocate and someone who's living with Sjogren's syndrome and rheumatoid arthritis. She actively participates in Durham Region's Sjogren's syndrome support group for the Sjogren's Society of Canada, as well as the online consumer panel for the Arthritis Society. Welcome, Christina. What a pleasure it is to finally meet you. Thank you so much, Ellen, for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Christina, would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your journey to becoming a dietitian, a patient advocate, and now sharing your story through social media to inspire others? Well, my story as a dietitian really started in Colombia when I was um, probably 15 years ago. I decided to study nutrition, although my focus was completely unrelated to arthritis. I was more focused on food security and other programs in Colombia. When I came to Canada, things shifted. I still had to study another two years. So I basically studied like eight years of nutrition uh, to become a registered dietitian here in Ontario. And that uh, after I work in many areas until I had my baby <laughs> about three, uh, three years ago, like we got three years old. He's turning Ooh. three this week <laughs> and he was my miracle baby. And uh, one of the things that really um, became passionate about is that when I started to see a little bit of more, um, I don't know, a disadvantage or kind of lack of care of women and pain or rheumatic conditions. And uh, so I started thinking, well, maybe I could use my voice, my lived experience to raise awareness, educate others, uh, and maybe they don't have to go through what I've been through and through my journey uh, as a patient. <laughs> That's an amazing story. And, you know, like we were chatting about before, maybe things happen for a reason to, to get you to the space where, where, you know, you are truly making a difference. Thank you. And I think uh, what I, I'm passionate about is that nutrition is now is like a hot topic. Oh, yeah. Everybody, oh my God, everybody knows everything. And I just have the solution for you. And when you live with chronic illness, you have like unsolicited advice <laughs> constantly <laughs> coming to you and especially with food. And even ever since I was diagnosed, even like 20 years ago, still the same advice. It's still the same advice. <laughs> uh, and then I'm thinking, well, I really went to school, like studying bioscience, biochemistry, six years. People, they go to study for one year. They feel like they know everything about you. But really, when you study nutrition, a registered dietitian can apply like a medical nutrition therapy and really understand what you're going through physiologically, pathologically. So that's what makes a difference. If you're going to go for registered dietitian, when you are there for the public, uh, not really to make that profit or make false promises. You just exactly. cannot tell them how it is. <laughs> Yes. And I think, like you said, there's so much going in so many different directions, which I find so interesting in nutrition. And to have someone who truly understands the biochemistry, right, has that the years of, of, you know, of really solid foundation to help guide your kind of patient centered approach and medicine and therapies is, is, is so important. 
it's uh, yeah it really it really makes a difference and especially when you work in different settings right working mm -hmm. from the hospital setting and long-term care uh, but I always love really working with people like that was just one-on-one -on -one, like counseling or groups I just I love I love education I really do <laughs> and I'm sure they love you as well <laughs> Christina, can you please explain to the audience what Sjogren's disease is and some of the common signs, symptoms from both, you know, the perspective of an, an allied health professional and, and a consumer? Yeah, so Sjogren's syndrome is um, one of the autoimmune conditions. It's an inflammatory and autoimmune disease. It's not really a condition. Um, it is specifically attacks like the moisture-producing glands, like the glands that produce saliva, um, uh, glands that produce your tears, and even in your skin, like as you're dry everywhere. <laughs> uh, but then on top of that, being an autoimmune disease, when that immune system attacks you, then it can also attack any organ. So your lungs, your, your gut, your heart, like anything can be attacked at any time. Um, Sjogren's are the main symptoms really is dryness. So dry eyes, dry mouth, uh, fatigue, and, and pain, and joint pain, joint muscular pain. So those are like the most common um, symptoms. Even up to 95% of people, they're going to feel dryness at one point in their children's journey. It may not start at the beginning, but it might come. <laughs> and uh, in terms of like... Um, what I extra glandular, like how they call it, like other manifestations is more really, it could attack like the gut. And that was, that was really, that has really been my focus and my outcry. And I say, Sjogren, if you don't have saliva, like it has to really affect everything else in your, in your gastrointestinal system. Just from the beginning, from the moment you put mouth, uh, foot in your mouth. It's exactly it, right? Everything is connected, especially because it's all downstream, right? And the, I think we don't like realize the importance of saliva. It's like, yes, our, our, our mouth produces moisture to help us digest, but it's way more than that, right? Absolutely. And then, and you think like saliva, well, like, yeah, we take it for granted. And, and I thought that when I showed the presentation, that image that I just took the time to actually measure the water and I said a, a healthy person could produce up to a liter and a half of saliva a day when it's stimulated or even more. A Sjogren's patient may be a cup of what equivalent to a cup of water, maybe. And so, and that's when we started seeing the imbalance when we start eating. We need that saliva to protect our teeth, to prevent the, um, even the, the entry of, of viruses or, or bacteria because that's kind of our first um, defense mechanism. And then on top of that is that it helps us to swallow safely and to enjoy our foods without saliva in terms of quantity and quality, we can't really taste food. Right, like yeah. when you have COVID, it's like, what are your symptoms? Loss of taste, of smell, dry cough, and I said, oh my god, I have all those symptoms all the time. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so it was, uh, and, and that's what it is. It's, it starts in your mouth, and if, without saliva, you don't chew properly. You tend to just put the food in your mouth and just kind of immediately sip up. <laughs> water so it facilitates the chewing but then that also affects the um 
kind of the process, the, the, the healthy digestive process, digesting process, because once it goes to your stomach, the food hasn't been chewed out properly. So that tummy, the stomach has to work even harder. And that becomes another issue. So um, that's, that's what I advocate for. <laughs> and that's what you presented at the, the uh, scientific meeting. And I think, I know, I really loved your presentation because it, like you said, it's something novel that we don't truly understand yet this area. And um, I would love to ask about some of the trigger foods that you had, had mentioned because I, I myself, you know, have learned from, unfortunately, personal experience too many times um, that these foods um, agitate me and increase my inflammation. Yeah, it's very specific with children. So in the regularly, we don't want to be a kind of recommend a restricted diet with patients with autoimmune diseases. But then I did find on my literature review that with children, there's actually evidence that their their gluten sensitivity, and that has had something to do with that, like a small kind of grade of inflammation caused by the Sjogren's because the Sjogren's really attacks the epithelium, like a, almost like the skin <laughs> and that covers the, the, gut, the gastrointestinal gut. So there has been studies, even from the 90s, that they have shown patients with sensitivity to gluten and even their incidence of celiac disease, so that other autoimmune disease where, where there's a reaction to the gluten, is um, patients with Sjogren's have a higher risk of having CD, even, even up to 14%, from 7 to 14%. Wow. They help, like for the general population, the risk of celiac disease is 1%, just like, but for a patient, you have pay, uh, Sjogren's, you even, that, that risk increases to 14%, up to 14%. And even if you don't, you don't get diagnosed with celiac disease, there are chances that you're gonna have gluten sensitivity. And uh, other foods that they have found uh, sensitivity in patients with Sjogren's is uh, dairy products. And that has also been documented from the 90s in small kind of clinical studies. And, and I have seen it. And sometimes I see it in a certain degree, not completely all the dairy. Sometimes it's more towards lactose intolerance. So even adjustments under the sources of lactose have, mean, uh, have relieved symptoms and some of the patients I had. Uh, I I personally experienced those two sensitivities to dairy, mostly the, the milk itself and gluten, 100%. I'm on the same boat with you. Those those <laughs> two, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I'm like, those two, I, I got to be, I got to watch out. But this is where it gets tricky. And mm -hmm. that was also the message that I wanted to rule out because we have such an increased risk of celiac disease where the only treatment is a gluten-free diet. So what happens like people with Sjogren's, right? They started reading up, uh, reading up on nutrition and they started eliminating gluten right from the get-go, right? Yes. And so if for some reason you do have celiac disease, you're not going to test positive because you're already eating a gluten-free diet, which is the treatment for that. Right. So then the, what happens, the risk is that maybe you don't go 100% gluten-free. You still have those cheat days. Or, or maybe you can eat the foods that says it may contain wheat, right, or barley. So you're still consuming small amounts of gluten. So you will never really know if you have that other autoimmune disease. And then eventually that 
may be also causing problems. You're feeling more fatigue. You're maybe blaming it on Sjogren's. It might be another autoimmune disease. Um, and the other food I wanted to ask about was uh, caffeinated beverages and, and carbonated beverages. And, uh, <laughs> oh, with Sjogren's, I guess it gets tricky because one thinks the caffeinated beverages and carbonated beverages, they cause dry mouth. So regardless of what you eat, even if it's decaf, you still feel that kind of aftertaste, right? Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's because we don't have saliva, we can't clear it. So that then if, unless you rinse your mouth with a little bit of water with um, uh, baking soda to kind of put a little bit of buffer in your mouth, so it's more alkaline instead of acidic, then, you know, still you can enjoy your coffee, right? But I will say just not in excess because you're just going to feel very uncomfortable. And, um, and so it's not like it's pro-inflammatory per se. A cup of coffee just still can contain antioxidants. It's more what it can do to your mouth and your teeth. And the same thing with carbonated. But the carbonated drinks, honestly, they're, they're the devil. I actually fear them more than coffee because the carbonated drinks, they're already acidic. Right. It's like you're, you're, stuck, you're just kind of peeling that enamel off. And even if it's like Sprite or something clear, you're still putting acid in your mouth. And that's something you don't want to do. You're just feeding the bacteria there and causing more problems in your mouth. Okay. So those two, you know, tread with caution if you are consuming, probably speak to your dentist. If, you know, if you would like to, you know, drink a small mm -hmm. portion of one of them, what to do right after. Um, I've, I've been very lucky to have, have some guidance on, on that topic. Oh, that's great. Because uh, and not only with the carbonated drinks and also caffeine, but remember that up to even thirty percent or forty percent of patients with Sjogren's can have dyspepsia or the or gastroesophageal reflux. So, meaning that there's still those are gut irritants. So, from one <laughs> from on one hand, right, it's gonna irritate your mouth, but on the other hand, it can actually exacerbate your reflux. And you want to make sure that you want to keep that under control because remember, you don't have enough saliva to clear your esophagus and you want to make, you want to maintain it alkaline and safe. So there's no growth or, or any further discomfort because, you know, there's like a development of buried esophagus where it's, it could be cancerous. So you want to really protect your gut. 100%. Beautifully explained. Thank you. And <laughs> Christina, do you have any wellness tips, resources that you can share to help improve a patient's disease journey or health outcomes? Where, where should we be looking as uh, patients? And I'm going to start posting more about it on my website at arthritisdietitian.com. But this year, my goal is I'm writing a book on children's and digestive issues. And that's my goal for 2022. And so, but things that you want to make sure when it comes to Sjogren's, always stay hydrated. That's really a must for us. Um, when you're eating, avoid, again, those, those carbonated drinks, caffeinated drinks. Go for softer foods, softer foods, cooked vegetables. Don't make yourself suffer eating like a kale salad because that's what the influencers are telling you to eat. No, <laughs> you eat what is comfortable for you. You want to make sure that you're eating, you're helping your gut to absorb all those nutrients. Um, also, and just follow that anti-inflammatory 
uh, nutritional way of eating. And I have a really great resource on my website. When you subscribe to my website, you will have the anti-inflammatory plate builder. So it tells you the anti-inflammatory foods from each food group that I think will find you very, very helpful. Wonderful. We will definitely link that below the video so everyone can check that out and super practical resources. Thank you, Christina, so much for your time, your wisdom. And really, I, I love your spin and your take as both, both an allied health professional and, and a patient. Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. It's a pleasure. With that, we are going to thank our audience for joining us and we hope you tune in for more 